Well, welcome again, everyone. Uh, God is so good. I'll tell you what, it's been cool too. Um, just those little glimpses that you get to see uh, of a Marian, uh, some of our other leaders in here. I, I love, I love the, the integrating of different generations coming together to seek God together because it's so foreign to right now. Like most of what I'm also a youth pastor, oversee our, our high school ministry alongside of Wes and Amanda Wimberly, uh, who oversee our middle school. These guys are our, my favorite. Yeah, let's go. LWY, Living Water Youth. Yeah, you can clap. And when students graduate high school, there's this funky phase. Some of you are recently graduated, so you might be experiencing it or tasting it a little bit. But there's this, there's this gap we see. We see this gap of, of high school students that maybe have a great experience in youth ministry, but then once they graduate and they try to get into a new world of things like the big church, the adults, or a young adult ministry, there's a lot of, there's a lot of just funkiness that goes on. And then people like disappear for five, six, seven, eight, nine years. And then you know at some point, maybe they come back or they get married and start a family, and so there's a different kind of need or season. And, um, and so part of why we exist is not to be a sub-church to our church. Um, we are a part of a church called Living Water. But we're also not here to, like, wave the banner of Living Water. Like, we, I love my church. I bleed for my church. I love my pastors, uh, John and Fawn Kobler. They're why I'm here. They're why my wife and I are here in Olympia to serve and, and to be under their leadership. But... Um, I love that this can be a ministry that several churches in our area are represented because they're coming hungry for God, looking for community, looking for a place that they can grow and, and receive and be a part of something that's happening in the bigger church, the big capital C church in Thurston County and beyond. Uh, but we see it's a struggle, this age group, um, to get connected into some place. There's a lot going on, a lot of different things in your seasons of life, and and so because of that, it can feel like it's difficult to get integrated into the bigger body of the generation of uh, the generations in a church. So I love that we've got people who are saying, like, I'm going to do something about it from my end. And even if these young people don't receive me or think I'm, un, you know, ir- irrelevant maybe to them, I'm willing to engage and, uh, and, and lean in. And I love that. I love that we get to see a little picture of that tonight. So here we are. We're in a new season. And um, something that God has been doing to me in the last 24 to 48 hours um, has, been, has been one of the most challenging internal, internally and emotionally 48 hours for me that I've had in a long time. And uh, I'm going to cast some vision tonight for where we're going to go as a ministry um, in this next season that I'm really excited about. But before I do, I, something that the Lord has just been been doing in me in the last 48 hours um, that's just been difficult to process. Uh, I'm going to process a little bit with you and, um, and pray that the Lord uses it as an opportunity to meet you right where you are and, um, and, and hope that he instills something in you tonight that is exactly what, where, where you are for what you need by his spirit because he knows better than you do what you need. And um, there's a pastor in Southern California by the name of Jared Wilson, and he's a husband uh, young, young pastor, 30 years old, married and has two beautiful boys and is a pastor at a church called Harvest Church with Greg Laurie in Southern California, uh, associate pastor, also like a young adult ministry pastor, author and me- mega influence on social media as a, as a pastor, as a, as a person that follows Jesus. And, uh, 
aside from all that, he's a mental health advocate, somebody who spent a lot of his life wrestling with depression and anxiety and, and has had a really difficult just journey with mental health and hasn't been uh, closed off about it. He's been very open about it and uh, wrote a book kind of talking about it and finding hope in Jesus throughout that journey. And him and his wife started a nonprofit called uh, Anthem of Hope that really was a resource for people wrestling with that whole, that whole thing, just the whole issue of uh, anxiety, depression, suicide, mental health, and everything about it. And I don't mean to go uh, heavy and low tonight, but I can't escape what God's doing. And, and I felt like what I wanted to, what he wanted to do tonight as we talk about where we're going as a group, because I'm committed to not play church. And this isn't to say that every, other places are playing church and we've got something that they don't. I'm not saying that at all. But I have, I have, gone, I have uh, throughout my journey of being in ministry, I'm 28, been married almost seven years in October. We've got two little ones, almost four, almost two, and one on the way in December. Um, yeah. I've been in, yeah, yeah, let's go. <laughs> Emmanuel feels, he gets it. So, yeah. <laughs> Emmanuel and Michelle up here repping some kids too. Um, and been in ministry since I graduated high school, basically. I started an internship right out of high school at 18. So 10 years I've been in ministry. And I've, uh, so I've, got, I've grown, I've grown uh, in different seasons. It's been easy for me to just lean into church for church sake because it's what we do. This is how we do it. This is what we've always done. And everybody likes it or it looks like people like it because they're coming and they come back. And so there's been a lot of different temptations for me throughout my life in the last 10 years of being in ministry to just like, this is what we do and why we do. And so I've, I've, I've known that. God has exposed that about myself. And I don't, that's not what he wants for my life. Church is great, but it's not perfect, right? And there's things that we've made idols about church, about how we do things, preferences we like. Like, I like worship to be 20 minutes, you know? And if it's, it's over that, then I'm like, it's too much for me, you know? Or I mean, there's lots of little things we do. We, whether we verbalize it or not, like, listen, if there's not an attractive person in the first five seconds I walk into that building, I'm leaving right now. <laughs> Y'all are still here. It's a way to go. That means somebody's in here for you. We all have those little unspoken things about church. You know, like I, I've had people like too many people said hi to me, so I didn't come back. Nobody said hi to me, so I came back. There's all these little things we got kind of pre-built into us when it comes to church stuff. As do I. And one of them being, I just get so married to the way that I do things, and I love it. Whether it's like we do a, a Thursday night young adult service, and that's what we do. Come together and worship, and someone preaches, and then everybody leaves and goes back to their normal life, and we do it again the next week. Um, and so because of that, the Lord and I have made an agreement that when I start to feel like I'm leaning towards just doing church something because it's what I do, that I would stop and pause and go, God, what are you doing right now? What do you want to do? And even if it's out of my comfort zone, even if it's out of my wheelhouse, which I hate, by the way, if it's out of something that I am confident in, I hate that. I don't know if you've experienced those moments where God speaks to you, tells you to go do something or put something on your heart to, to, to step into, and it is not in your confidence circle. But when he starts to do that, I made a commitment. God, I will listen, and I'll, I will do my best in those moments to be obedient to what you're speaking and one of those things was tonight. I got some vision to cast to you for where I think he's calling our group to go 
uh, to help create a more authentic community amongst our, our people here. Uh, because I don't think Thursday nights are, are cutting it in regards to what God wants to do. I love Thursday nights. And I think we got to keep having them. But I don't think it's really producing uh, discipleship in our lives in the way that God's called us to, to be in disciples who make disciples and walk in authentic community. But I had this, I had this pitch tonight to, to give you, and I'll give you a little bit of it, but what he, he began to do in the last 48 hours of me was to take me down a road of, of something that he's doing in a large scale in a lot of people because of the story of what happened uh, a couple days ago with Jared Wilson, that man I was talking about. So I'm going to go there tonight for a little bit, if that's cool. And we'll just ask God to move and speak and do his thing. And, um, and then and enjoy each other's company at the end of this thing. So Jared, 30 years old, uh, wrestled with his depression for a long time. And uh, this last week started uh, National Suicide Prevention Week, or Prevention Month. And um, on uh, Sunday night at midnight, Jared took his own life. And at 7 o'clock, he's playing with his kids on Instagram, throwing them up in the air. And five hours later, he, uh, he, he's not here anymore. And um, so I'm devastated. I, I don't know him personally. I've never met him. I've read his book. I've followed him on Instagram. So there's a, there's a connection there. But, but beyond just like human sadness for a tragic situation, I've felt that before. A lot of us have felt that with hearing something. Uh, Robin Williams, uh, um, you know, somebody maybe in, the, in a prominent eye of celebrity world, somebody you were connected to through a movie or whatever, or somebody personal. But for me, something happened to me where it wasn't just this dude took his life. It was this 30-year-old man who was a husband and a dad and a pastor advocating for people to find their hope in Jesus when they're struggling with their mental health and depression and anxiety took his own life in the middle of all that. And I couldn't help but feel these feelings of like, I'm 28, I'm in ministry, and I'm a husband, and I'm a dad of two little boys. And I don't know what happened. Something happened to me, though, the last 48 hours that it's hard for me to articulate. And, like, I'm just, like, wrecked. Like, I'm, I'm wrecked. I'm, I'm wrecked thinking about his wife and those two little boys that have to live, you know, this life in a different way now without their dad. Um. And I've just been processing this, processing this with the Lord and um, with a few people, and and um, and just auditing so many things in my life, uh, like the pressures that I'm feeling. And I haven't struggled with depression or suicide, uh, suicidal thoughts. I I haven't had that struggle, but in this season of my life, the weight has been heavier, and it's caused me to feel things differently than I have before. And there was something about what happened four days ago that triggered something in me where I really felt my weight differently because of what happened. And, and so I have been wrestling with God and trying to figure out why and what the heck and how do I handle this internally for me to stay healthy and to be a person that amidst the weight on the pressure. I can only imagine the pressure that this guy had felt uh, being in ministry and the, the demand that ministry can be. Pastors, a lot of times, I don't think people realize 
the weight pastors feel to carry for other people's weight. And so we, we do spend a lot of time and energy, part of our call to help people carry their burdens in that way. And sometimes we can neglect, we can be spend, spend a lot of time pastoring, we can neglect the fact that like, I still need to be pastored. And I hit that realization this week for the first time in a long time. And the Lord has just been bringing me back uh, to, to some scripture in Romans 5 that I want to encourage you with tonight. I want to challenge you with because the reality is whether or not you're a pastor or a dad or a husband or a wife or a mom or you're single, whatever capacity of job, career, or some, whatever you are trying to figure out, you feel weight too. And some of you have felt it a lot. And some of you are feeling it a lot right now. And you need to know some truth. And you need to know some, there's, some, there's some processes that I think God wants to encourage you with tonight. But let me read some scripture from Romans chapter 5 that I've been meditating on in this last few days. And it'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible, I think. Here we go. Paul writes, Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while, we were, while we're still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we've now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from, saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've now received reconciliation. There's something here tonight about suffering and weakness that I want to call our attention to and encourage you and challenge you in. And it's just this reality that a lot of us feel this pressure to maintain strength. To maintain a degree of an image or a reality that like, I have got it. But when in reality, we really don't. But the world around us, both men and women, the expectation on you can be, you've got to figure it out. You're an adult. <laughs> you've got to figure it out. You're a dad. You've got to figure it out. You're a pastor. You're a spouse. You're an employee. You're a student. You've got to carry the weight because that's what you have to do and that's what is in front of you. And so we feel, a lot of us, this, I have to be strong. 
Because if I'm not strong, then I'm a failure. And then if I'm a failure, everything goes to the to the wayside and I've got nothing in front of me and people won't love me and people won't want me and my parents won't love me. My parents won't want me. My boyfriend won't want me. My girlfriend won't want me. It's just this cycle that begins to stir and the pressure just gets even bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm, I'm here to encourage you tonight that we see all throughout scripture and we need to know through this text in, in, in Romans chapter five, what Paul's challenging the church in Rome with is this reality that you and I are weak. And it's in that weak state that God sent Christ for us. That we can't operate out of this facade of strength all the time and believe that we're going to be okay when we know we aren't. That when we were weak, he loved us. At the right time, he sent God, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And then this idea of suffering. What I'm, I'm, I'm committed to more than ever before is being a person that when I am suffering in whatever capacity it is, emotionally, mentally, physically, relationally, careerly, educationally, someone's like, amen. But when I'm suffering, I'm not going to suffer alone. And what I mean by that is I'm not going to be the only person that knows that I'm suffering. And I think that's something that's happening a lot in our generation and the people around us, there's this, I can't let anybody know, like this is what I'm going through because I can't be weak. Or I don't want to burden somebody with my suffering. I don't want to burden somebody with my, with my need, with what I'm going through. And that very lie that we begin to think about and believe inside just becomes, becomes that enough of a weight that it keeps us stuck in our spot. And then it, it, it puts us in places that we would never imagine we'd be, in thoughts we would never imagine we'd have, in things we would say we would never imagine that we would say. And I'm just unwilling to allow who God's made me to be and, and, the, and the man that he's called me to be going forward stay stuck in suffering and not allow people into it, into that space, and not bring people into it in a place that they can come around me to help point me to Jesus in that moment because we we isolate ourselves and then we just begin to listen to all the lies that we are being fed by the enemy when we do that. But what we see in scripture is that in that suffering that we experience, when we process it the right way, when we allow Jesus to do something in the middle of that suffering, it actually produces something in us that nothing else can be produced through that thing. No, no success. You can experience the greatest success and it won't, it won't even touch what suffering can produce in you. You can experience the greatest heights of efficiency and effectiveness and, and results and, and goals met and affection received and affirmation from the people you're longing for to get it from and, and accolades and every check box is checked. You can do it all. You still won't get produced in you the thing that suffering will produce in you. And so God is calling his church, God's calling you, God's calling me to when we're suffering, to suffer well and to bring people in and to be pushed into the presence of God deeper because when we do that, what it's gonna do in us is gonna change us. It's gonna produce something in us that nothing else can produce, that endurance and that character and ultimately that hope that can't be stolen from us. So a couple things that I'm here to tell you tonight. One if you're suffering, it's time to stop suffering alone. And it's time to stop minimizing your suffering. Like, I'm, I've been a big, here's what I've been. I've been a big, like, you're an adult guy. Threw it on the ground. 
happy birthday to the Christ. Sorry. That's a throwback one there. I've been a big proponent of like, pull your pants up, pull your boots on, be a big boy, be a big girl, like handle your stuff kind of guy. And I, and I still am at the core of who I am. I really do like think that for the most part, there are some things in life that like, and maybe our generation gets pegged for it more than others because millennials and Gen Z, that's, we just get it more than others. Like you, you need to, you can do more than you think you can. And I do believe that. But I also think what it's done is it's produced something on the opposite end of the spectrum of people where everybody's trying to be Mr. Strong Guy, Mr. Strong Girl, and, and then when they're suffering, they don't let anybody know about it, and then they go to a deep, dark place, and nobody knows that they're there, and then they do things that they can't come back and change, and it damages things that aren't supposed to be damaged, and the enemy wins. So I, God has been doing something to me. Yeah, be strong. I'm, I'm strong in you. In your weakness, I, I'm your strength. I make, I make in your weakness, I'm made, I'm made perfect there. I'm with you always. I'll never leave or forsake you. But you got to be real about what you're going through, and you can't carry it all on your own. And we've got to find this blend, this, this medium, this, this mix, this balance between being humble and being confident, but being real and being secure in who we are. And I, I feel like what I need to tell, to t- tell you with today is it's, it's time to stop suffering alone. And if you are suffering, it's time to bring somebody in. It's time to, to not, not just try to get over it yourself with whatever it is, with an addiction, with a mental health thing, with, a, with, with the feelings I'm feeling low, with whatever. Like it just, it doesn't matter what it is, but you can't do it alone. And, and you can come to a thing like this on Thursday night and be around a bunch of people, but still walk out of here feeling like you're the most alone person on the planet. Just being around people doesn't necessarily mean that they can see and know what you're going through. And so uh, God has been clear about us as a group. And the, the thing you need to know tonight is ultimately that there is still hope. As heavy as you feel, there is still hope. It may be heavy, but there is hope. And hope is wrapped up and fully encompassed in the person that is Jesus Christ. And a lot of you know that, but you're not believing it in the way that your life is living it and I'm calling you back to that tonight Jesus is our hope and when we go through suffering well and we do it with people who can know where we are and how we're processing it produces something in us that nothing else can produce an endurance and a character and a hope that cannot be shaken that cannot be stolen and in this next season I I am not content doing church the way that I've always done church, which is we can do a big service. And we try to get a bunch of people there to experience God. Great motivations, great things. Nothing, nothing impure about the motive. There's nothing. I, here's all my cards. I got nothing I'm trying to swindle you into. <laughs> I'm not trying to like, I got nothing. I don't want to be, I want to build leaders. I want, to, I want people to experience Jesus and his grace and God's presence more than ever. If I'm never up on the platform again, great, praise God. I'd love more people to, to, I'd love to be run out of this building because there's so many leaders and there's so many voices that God's rising up to speak and to be, be who God's called them to be that like I get to just sit back there in that orange chair and just watch God do great things to people. That's what I want. I'm not up here looking for, for attention or for glory or any of that. I'm, I'm here because God's called me here for this season. But I'm not content just doing church the way I've always done it. And the way I've always done it is we do a big service and this is what we do. We get excited about it and that's great. And then that's it. And where we're going as a ministry because people are struggling and carrying weight. I stood up here because I wanted to be taller. Sorry. <laughs> people are struggling and carrying weight and they're carrying it by themselves. Even though they come to a place like this, 
you're carrying what you're carrying by yourself. Some of you are doing that right now. Nobody knows you're struggling with what you're struggling with. Nobody knows that you have a hard time breathing when you come here. Nobody knows that you're, you're feeling the feelings that you're feeling. Why? You're, you are going to die. You are going to find yourself in a place if you don't get yourself connected relationally to authentic community for people that can see you and know you for who you really are and then point you to Jesus and walk with you and pray with you and support you and champion you and challenge you and strengthen you and sharpen you. You can't do it by yourself. And I feel like what happens when we just come on Thursdays is we can, I can, as a leading this ministry, I can perpetuate a problem, which is that we come to this, but then people don't actually get known and they don't actually get seen and then they don't actually walk in discipleship. And when they're really going through something, they don't really have a group of people that know that can be there to walk with them and point them to Jesus and pray for them. So where we're going to help fix that problem in this season, what we believe that God's put on our hearts for this ministry is a, is a ministry that is still gathers on Thursday nights, but then all of our and other energy and time and focus is going towards getting people in a life group. Now, life group is a term that people have heard a lot because the church has been doing life groups for years and then they do them for like six years and then everybody's like, life groups are lame. And then they bail and they don't do them anymore and they do this new, this new experience and then they're like, we're doing breakfast groups now and we're doing this now. We're doing this big thing now. We're all going. So it goes up and down. But I'm telling you what, I, have, I, have, I firmly believe that God, God is calling us to be a place where we get into smaller groups consistently because in those small groups, that's where life change happens. Life change is going to happen in a life group. And whether or not this is, you have a life group that's connected to this place or not, you need to be in a life group. I don't care if it's living water. If you've got another church or another group of people that are centered on the word of God and on Jesus, and you're not getting around just gossiping about who's messing around with who and who doesn't come to this church anymore and who blah, blah, blah is this on Instagram. As long as you're not getting around with a group of people and just complaining and being angry and bitter towards life, but you're getting around and you're getting around the word and someone is bringing up what Jesus is doing in their life and how Jesus can be the answer to your problem and how Jesus is challenging you to grow in an area that's hard for you. What great, but you need to be in a life group. You need a group of people that know you, that see you, that love you, that will point you to Jesus and will be there for you when you're walking through something that's really tough. So for us, we're going to create an opportunity for this community of people to jump into something like that. And it's hard. Let me tell you what. There's a lot of excuses that you might even already be running through your mind. I don't have time. I don't, I don't, what if I don't know all of the people or like all the people? For God's sake, please put me in a group or don't let me be in a group where there's somebody that is so annoying that I just want to slam my head against the wall. <laughs> that person that doesn't stop talking, that person that doesn't talk and it's awkward for everybody because we're supposed to talk once in a while, but they refuse to, you know what I'm saying? There's always those people, right? So I know you got lots of things running through your mind. But let me tell you something. The enemy will always try to create more things for you to, to think of as excuses when God's in something, when God's doing something new. So if you've already got like all of these thoughts about, I live out here, I can't drive this place, I got this schedule with the school, I got, I'm telling you what, God might be wanting to push through in a new way because I'm tired of this generation be pe being pegged as, as commitment, fear, commitment fatigue people. Like, no, I said this to our group a couple weeks ago. Like, I'm ready to call up this generation because we've been under-challenged. I'm ready to challenge you again. Like, lean into commitment, man. Lean into commitment because you cannot develop community without commitment. So whatever that might look like for you, it's time to stop. Like, no, FOMO. Like, I don't want to commit because something else is going to come up better. Scrap that. 
You know what else is going to be better? Having a group of people that know you and love you and can point you to Jesus when you are feeling depressed and anxious and you don't have to be by yourself anymore. You know, that's a lot better than potentially missing out on an opportunity to go rock jumping or go to the gym with that person you want to go. Like, great stuff. But I'm tired of this generation being like, I'm not going to commit because what if I get stuck into this thing? Forget that. You're stuck already. You need to commit to something. Because it's going to produce something in you that when it wouldn't be produced in any other way. And yes, it might take some sacrifice and some courage and some getting over preferences and out of comfort zones. But I believe with everything in me, if you're going to be the man or the woman God's called you to be, it's got to be connected in authentic community with people who can see you and know you and point you to Jesus. So that's where we're going. Let's go. And I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going to close tonight. And um, I want to just give you an opportunity to, to, to talk to the Lord a little bit with what he might be doing in your heart with that Romans 5, with, with the weight. I, I, listen, I'm, I did not have any, any idea of going. I was, I, this was going to be super lighthearted and fun and like balloon-like, you know what I'm saying? Like it was, that was where I was going tonight. And yet, I just felt like the Lord said, like, this is a bigger deal than playing, playing games tonight. Like, this is a bigger deal than just keeping the, the feeling light. Because that's what I wanted to do. Like, so kick off. Everybody's back. Let's keep this light and fun. And, and the Lord's like, I, got, I want to do something different. So we're going to respond in a, in a few moments here just in, in worship in God's presence. Because I, I want to give you a chance just to get with the Lord. And that, like, what's he speaking to you? What's he stirring in you?